0: Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route, to the program where we gather every day at this time, well, Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food producers and food consumers. Joining us from the hills, the hollers along the Missouri River in Iowa, I think, Steve Corey, we call you an Iowa citizen, right? I am. Couldn't you just be like a a little crow and fly across the river and be in the good life?
1: Well, you know, uh, we're we're trying to to tap into that Nebraska good life over on the east side of the river and have the same type of experiences that you are.
0: (laughs) That's the perfect answer. I asked Steve how he wanted me to introduce him, and uh, he came up with a a list of stuff as long as his activities, and I'm going to put it in a summary. He's one of us. Trying to make a difference as a dutiful citizen. How's that?
1: Yeah, well said. Thank you.
0: So before we get going, uh, I just have to let the radio audience know that I am looking at you via social media connection and recording this. But uh, you have the most unique wall hanging behind you between two prints and I'm I'm asking you what that was, and you started on such a fantastic story that I stopped you because I want everybody to know what you have hanging on your wall.
1: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll give you the story um, as as abbreviated as possible. Um, so as I told you when we we met this past weekend, um, I'm fourth generation South Dakotan. Um my great grandfather uh, moved uh, the, the family from a farm, I'm told, uh, from Algon- the Algona, Iowa area to the White Clay Buttes of South Dakota, which is, as you know, uh, kind of out there in the middle of no man's land. Um, they I refer to it there. as
0: God's country, I just have to say.
1: Oh, no, I am too. The farther up I get in South Dakota, where there's the farther I can see, the more at home I feel. Um, and uh i i love the wide open of the great plains and um anyway uh they lived literally in a as you know many people know historically in a sod home and they they uh they developed the land uh homesteaded that he had uh my great-grandfather had uh three boys and um and then uh once that land was developed when they sold it and then they go down into uh outside of fort Pierce, south dakota along the bad river and that ground is even tougher Um, i've been down there a couple of different times literally tried to find the old ranch place um i rode down there on the south dakota wagon uh uh, the bicentennial uh wagon train a number of years ago with my dad when we were riding with them um and uh there along the bad river and they homesteaded that ground and uh, anyway, my grandfather uh, got to be very close. Uh, I, they were up against the Rosebud um, Reservation, as I recall. Um, their land was, and and he worked side by side um, with uh, with the uh, indigenous people there, and and uh, got to be very close to them. And he was given. There was a chief um, historically, and I hope I have my facts right. He was the first um, Lakota Sioux to be university educated. His name was Chief Prairie Chicken. And I literally have, I've got a book here with a picture of him. He was a, a very large man. Um, and once again, um, w- I'll try to tell this as accurately as possible because I get this story many times. But my grandfather was given this show halter. That's what you're seeing in this behind me. It's handmade. It's all beadwork. It's really fantastic when you look closely at uh, the detail in this. And then he was given a, a piece pipe, which I have pictures of. Um, I'd be happy to send those to you. My so my aunt, my dad's sister, has the peace pipe up in uh, the southwestern corner of Oregon where she lives, and then one of my cousins has a tomahawk that he was given. I mean, this beautiful tomahawk uh, that it's got a stone head on it with a wood handle and and beadwork dangling off of this, and um and then I have this. So my my dad had two sisters, so each one of those kids were given one of these artifacts. By my grandfather after my grand by my grandmother after my grandfather passed, and um, quite honestly, Trent, I feel like all three of these pieces really need to find their way back to to them. Um, that's just where I'm at in my heart. I just don't know where they belong um, and who should get them because they're not ours. But they were given as a gift to my grandfather. <laughs>
0: Uh, So I never heard of Chief Prairie Chicken. I'm going to find out about Chief Prairie Chicken. But um, as a person who lived on the Rosebud for five years and was very entrenched in tribal activities and culture while I was there because I was working directly with the tribe, uh, the prairie chicken is very much uh, a revered animal. And in fact, when they're doing a powwow, uh, the dance that brings about the most celebration is the chicken dance. And it's not right. like the chicken dance that we did at weddings when we were celebrating and drinking. These these chicken dances are absolutely amazing.
1: Right. And, you know, I think I got that wrong. I think that the land they butted up against was the lower Brule. That, make,
0: that makes more sense because that's yeah, on the not other not side the road part here. Part of right.
1: Yeah, the lower Brule, because I remember now recalling that that wagon train ride, we went down in and we actually camped right there, right along, right in just alongside the uh, edge of the lower rural reservation that, that time. And that land that they ranch was down there. My grandfather lost the ranch um, after, well, in the depression when everything dried up. Um, and he, it's a really, really sad, sad story. Uh, it broke my, fa- my grandfather's heart um, when he was moved. Basically, and, and there's a story about his cattle herd, which he knew every cow by name. Uh, my grandfather was as close to being what I would refer to as a, an animal whisperer. I'd say horse whisperer, yes, but he had a pet squirrel in his backyard in Beersford, South Dakota. He could walk out on his back porch and yell at the squirrel, and this squirrel would come out of the oak tree, down the oak tree, and literally come up and eat out of his hand. Wow. I've never, Yeah, when we were kids, we were absolutely mesmerized by watching that happen. But he had a way with, with every kind of animal he can think of, but boy, when my grandfather was around horses, uh, it was really something to watch. And, and, uh, it, uh I've got pictures of him. He used to back during the tough times out there, he would run a uh, coyote. They were paying, you know, uh, sure. you know, for, for coyote, And, uh, he had these hybrid dogs. They were a greyhound mix, and and he would run those, those, he'd use those dogs and run coyote down, and and you know he was getting, you know, paid a, a a little chunk of money for every coyote that he turned in back in those days, and that was one way he put food on the table when times were getting tough. He told, so I remember Tim telling stories about when the Bad River would start to dry up in the summertime. He would ride the the riverbed and look for you know big you know mud puddles, and and there was always catfish in there, and he just wade down in there and. And and spear catfish and throw them in the saddlebag and bring them home for supper. I mean, you know, they were they were scratching, you know, back in those days just to just to survive. And um, he lost his cattle herd and, and train. W- I wish I had my cousins and my my aunt who's no longer with us. She knew this history like the back of her hand. Um, her the the army came in and and put his whole herd down. They did they, sure, they, as they, they did. It. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 he watched it happen in front of his very eyes, and I, I think it, I think it affected him deeply um, because of what all those what those cows meant to him and the relationship he had with them.
0: So the person that told me directly about this was the late Orville Gullickson from uh, Taylor, North Dakota. And he was telling me about the same ear. And I've told this story many times. You know, we, we talk about how tough it is today. Orville reminded me that uh, they would go to the yard every morning and look for a, a dandelion that popped up. So they had something to eat today. And then he walked through how the government came in and just literally slaughtered and put these cattle in a mass grave. And it never did make any sense to me. Uh, during the depression, people are finding it hard to find food, and the government came in and killed their animals. It's like,
1: yeah, that's the what, same story that I heard. It, they 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 slaughtered these cattle in front of him and buried him.
0: Yeah, w- what about that rings true? You I mean every day we're now talking about? I did, talked about it on live on across the pond this morning with Andrew. The Dutch farmers and the government's going to kill one want, uh, wants to get rid of thirty percent of their herd. Ireland's right, talk about the same thing, and it's like there's nothing new in this. We've been down all of these paths before, and it just sitting back. It's like why does this make any sense to anybody? That was a fantastic first segment, Steve Corey. It may be the fastest segment in the history of this program. I'm just saying, because this is the kind of stuff I love. Steve Corey, my guest from Iowa, will be back with more after this. Certified Piedmontese, creating a tender eating experience every single time, and that's because of the genetics. We are embryo transferring 30 cows, putting in embryos. That's not a big deal, but for us, it's a big deal. We'll be raising the purebred seed stock that goes to making the bulls that go out into the commercial fields to make tender beef. You can have this delivered. You don't need to find it in the store. Go directly to the website, CertifiedPiedmontese.com. They've made this shipping process quite simple. They have tremendous deals, and the smokehouse on there is incredible. The product's coming out. Try them for yourself. Go to the website, CertifiedPiedmontese.com. Rest assured, the best part of this story. All of the beef, all of the cattle are grown right here from ranchers in the Great Plains of America. CertifiedPiedmontese.com. Welcome back. Trent Loose, alongside Steve Corey, who's probably just worked himself into a regular slot here on the program. Um. Was there any more of that history? I could talk about that all day. That's not what I thought we would talk about today, but I'm certainly glad you had that bit of uh, family heirloom hanging behind you.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I, I know, like I said, it's it's there. Um, I look at it every day when I walk in this office of mine, and, um, you know, I, I just, uh, I don't know, Trent. It's, um, you know, I'm watching the world as it turns, you know, and as you just finished that segment, this is history repeating itself. Um, mm-hmm. The story I told, and then what you shared regarding the story from the fellow from North Dakota, they're coming after our food. You know this. You and I have talked briefly about it, and our food supply is already at big, great risk. I'm hearing it everywhere. A gentleman by the name of Michael Jan has been over in the Netherlands numerous times, and he's sharing the story about what was happening to the Dutch. And, and I had no idea that that little country is the second largest food supplier on this planet. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea. Um and, and they're doing everything to uh, push these farmers off this land. Uh, you know, the Dutch, nobody farms like the Dutch. I just go north of here, as you know, in northwest Iowa, up into Sioux County and those farms. And, and what they do up there is truly, um, it's a sight to see. And, you think um,
0: there's some Dutch farmers around Orange City? Is that what you're saying?
1: Well, there's been there's been people known to wear wooden shoes up there. That's for darn <laughs> sure.
0: It's, the thing of it is, Pella... Pella Iowa tries to not be outdone and they try to be better than orange city when it comes to their Dutch heritage. I don't know who's winning.
1: Well, all I know is orange city. You can eat off the streets in that town.
0: Yeah. So anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt your cadence because you're, you're headed right in the direction that we need to expose. So what, what are you doing today to bring about solutions?
1: (sighs) Boy, I don't know. Where do I start Trent? Um, well, I, I've, uh, I've, I've been, as you know, I'm, in, I'm involved with, uh, with this coalition to, to stop, you know, this, this nonsense with carbon dioxide sequestration and pipelines and that. Um, I've been leading a team of, of people, patriots, I will call in, in the state of Iowa. Uh, we're part of a, a national organization, um, to basically the mission statement is to stand up our republic legally, morally and ethically, basically take our republic back. Um and and do it the right way and um we we've got to get back to to really bringing our country back to what our founding fathers originally intended and unfortunately we can't, we went off that path a long long time ago most Americans don't understand that um what how we've been undermined for a very very long time and so you know I I you know I I, I listen to people complain all the time about about um you know, what the state of the, of our, our country and our world is, they complain about it. And they would always end the conversation with and there's nothing I can do about it.
0: Right. And this one person, I don't matter.
1: Correct. And, and Trent, I it would drive me crazy when I would hear that. And I would try to tell them that's not true and convince them otherwise. But then, you know, one morning, I'm Standing in front of the mirror, you know, and looking at myself, going, Okay, so what am what are you doing about it? Me personally. And and so I ran across this gentleman who started this organization to take back our republic and it resonated with me. It's all volunteers. We're doing it on our own time and we're putting ourselves out there because you know, you know, people like you and I, and you know, the more we talk about this and And kind of talk about who we are. The the other side of the fence, uh, they're coming after us, right? They're persecuting us and they're prosecuting us. And you look at the J Sixers and what happened there. There's still people in prison that have never been given their opportunity for a day in court. As a, you know, I I know I'm kind of bouncing all over here, but there's so much to talk about and so little time to say it.
0: And there's even I shouldn't bring this up but I know it's true. Uh, there's a whistleblower who just came forward and then they arrested a whistleblower. There's a ammunitions and firearms dealer in Valley city, North Dakota, that this week lost their permit revoked, yep. had their license revoked. And it was 100% because they, had joined in a law- lawsuit with gun owners of America and won against the federal government for an overreach. So the federal government retaliates and goes in and shuts down their. And then I find out, Steve, that there's a 500 percent increase in revoking federal firearms permits licenses since January 2021. I mean, these things are just happening right under our nose. and And I'm as much a Second Amendment proponent as anybody. I didn't even know that until I got digging into this Valley City situation.
1: I I know the story that you're talking about. Um, I just recently uh, was over visiting with my FFL uh, gentleman, who's actually a Woodbury County jailer. And he got a visit um, from the ATF for the first time ever. And she spent three hours in his home going through all of his paperwork. He got a little bit of a, Kind of a because you know, one I wasn't dotted or one T wasn't crossed mm-hmm. in all, and he's very meticulous in his, in how he, you know, runs that and that thing. I mean, he just doesn't, he doesn't make any money as an FFL to speak of. Sure. Um, and he got a little slap on the wrist, but he said he's never experienced anything quite like it.
0: Well, Morehouse Enterprises was there, were had ended up with five violations, three of them were the same exact thing. I dotted T cross two were still very minor, but screw ups. Uh, not, in no way, shape, or form, justification to have a license revoked. You know, at the same time, Steve, I always wonder how much of what is taking place is just to work on our mind, because you you spoke to to it already. Your grandfather when they killed his cattle mentally it just it wears on you and and they want this word to get out that this overreach is going to be luring over you you got to look out and so people just quit themselves because i don't want i don't want to be the next target you can't quit you, you got to stand up when you get bucked off you get back on courage is being that's scared hard. to death and saddling up anyway i mean how many analogies do you need that's where we're at right now
1: well the, the thing that you know, I understand is that there's so few of them and there's so many of us. And what's happening right now is this awakening is happening now. It's picking up steam. Uh, it is a snowball going downhill. And and what's amazing is they're literally our enemy. I'll just call them what they are, are playing into our hands. They're they the ones who are the ones that who are accelerating this awakening because of the asinine ridiculous overreach and i mean just in our face uh kind of illegal unconstitutional unconstitutional things that they happen to be uh, laying on all of us and people who you know i i refer to me as as a sheepdog as mm-hmm. are you trent we are sheepdogs and there is this huge flock of sheep that we are over you know that we're trying to protect and awaken and asking them to pull their head up for a moment and look around and smell the air. Is that the things feel right to you? Right. This is kind of what I do to people. And I have people now who for all these years that I've been this crazy tinfoil hat person, all of a sudden uh the conspiracy theorist that, that I was no longer am I a theorist. It's now <laughs> true. conspiracy. Yeah,
0: funny how that evolution works.
1: Yeah. And so, um, the, the other side now is starting, they, they're like an animal that's just back into a corner, a wild animal. And they know that we're awakening and we're, we're done and they're scared. And, and, and the more frightened they become, of course, the more they're going to lash out and the more, um, the more devious things they're going to do. And you're, we're going to hear more of this, these kind of things. And, you know, I have told my family and my wife, and my children, I'm drawing a line in the sand here. I will not do anything illegal, unethical or immoral, but I'm not letting, I'm done. And, and you know, when you look at our founding fathers and if you really understand uh, the history, I mean, Paul Harvey did a piece a number of years back and it's out there on YouTube about what happened to most of those men who signed the Declaration of Independence afterwards. Mm -hmm. And they gave up and risked everything, and many of them lost everything, including their lives. Is that what it's going to take to take back our republic and our freedom for our future generations? I don't know, Trent.
0: We're fixing to find out, but there's one thing that Steve Corey brought to us here today that is still very true, and we need to recognize that. When you're talking about being a sheepdog and protecting the flock, what do animals, whether they be horses, cattle, or sheep do when there's a predator? They come together in a flock, like a community, and they do that for protection. And so we as human beings need to learn from the sheep in that regard. And come together as a community, because as a community, we take on these predators. We're back with the second half of Roll Route after this. 32nd spot for the National Western Stock Show, coming in 3, 2, 1. I've spent the last quarter century of my life trying to connect food producers to food consumers. And there's a place that just does it Naturally the history and the tradition, more importantly, the culture of the National Western Stock Show and Rodeo in Denver, Colorado each year creates that opportunity. The culture is on display of Colorado and the nation's resource providers in Denver, Colorado, January 2024. Keep track of the details and schedule at nationalwestern.com. All kinds of rules here, Steve, talking about things on on the break that but some things just you and I need to talk about. So that's all good. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to just kind of roll this out there because for the last two weeks, it has really come to my awareness and it it started probably a week before we were in Pier at the state capitol with 750 people, despite media continuing to report that 250 people were there. I have a video, a series of videos. If you'd like to count them, I know you don't need to, but regardless. We keep saying we're going to take this country back one election at a time. Steve, that's not happening. We're not going to take this country back one election at a time. It's going to take a bigger Jesus revolution, if I can steal a concept, which I think the two things come hand in hand, to be honest with you. What, What are your thoughts along those lines? And I'm talking particularly about the federal government, which is completely lost.
1: Um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I, I don't spend any, a great deal of time in this whole conversation. You know, as you know, here in Iowa, we have all the contenders now stomping through the states, you know, um, trying to stir up support for their presidential runs. And I, I really don't have any time for that. Uh, Trent, the only way that we're going to get things back and uh, get this train back on the right track is to do it right here within our own communities first. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to build this, and and I sent you a little clip last night, county by county. Um, we we that's the only way it's good. it's got to be a groundswell. It it has to be organic. Uh, we have to get people to turn off the tell uh, vision so they stop being programmed. And start to pay attention to what's happening all around us, whether it be at the school board level, at the county supervisor level, at the city council level. This is where we have to start to take action and be engaged. We as citizens of a republic have a duty to our civic responsibility. And unfortunately, Trent, civics are no longer taught to our children. They don't even know what that, what that means and what and, and they don't understand the whole concept of being engaged in how our government at every level is managed and run and what the expectations of those people who are elected to represent us and then hold them accountable to their representation and the actions and the policies and laws that they support and write.
0: I, I, I couldn't agree more. Steve, I don't know if you're aware, but in um, 2021, I went on the Arise USA tour with Robert David Steele, Kevin Jenkins, and I formed many permanent relationships out of that endeavor. And we traveled in 57 days. We had events in 37 states. You mentioned the reawakening tour earlier. Um that, that was kind of the follow-up to that, although nobody on our tour was involved with putting that on. I did go speak at one of their events in Wahoo, Nebraska. But I, I wanted to share this with you because it speaks to what you just said. We had events from Florida to California, and we were at Keystone, South Dakota, Mount Rushmore on the fourth day of July. And I finally lost it a little bit because we had our buses and people... Actually, paid to come and and be on our buses and ride around Custer State Park, and everybody was showing up at our events, and and the overall premise was number one, the election was stolen. Well, if you're not and if you're a thinking person at all, you understand there's something seriously wrong with not just that election, but our elections for some time. So that that's off the table. We know that that's going on. That needs to be fixed. But the one thing. That really bothered me is that because all these people knew the election was stolen, which I know, they all came just for one purpose. How do we get Trump back? And it finally hit me. We're never going to fix this because we sit back and think that one guy who I don't even think now is on our side. That's beside the point. But one guy is going to come back and everything else will be normal. You, you're sadly mistaken if you believe anybody but yourself and your community is going to take care of this swaggling that we're in right now.
1: The um, I, I sent you a little note last night, along with a, a link to a podcast that I listen to on a regular basis, and the 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 that person that we're looking for to come back and write the ship. You know, I don't want to use the word savior, um, because that's a whole different realm.
0: But there's only one it's of us. those.
1: Yes, is us. We, we are it. And, and, and my message to you, we have to start understanding that we are the co-creators of our experience here in the physical when we're here living life in the physical and we are empowered by our creator to do what has to be done to take this back. It's us. It's landing squarely on our shoulders. The good Lord has given us all the tools that are needed to do it. Is he going to do it or Trump going to do it or one person? No. It's our responsibility. We allowed this to happen. This place where we at on this time and space is happening because we have been sitting back We've been lethargic. We've been lazy. We've been brainwashed. All you can come up with all the excuses in the world. Uh, I, I'm not, it's now on us. We're now we have to do the heavy lifting. We have to chop the wood and carry the water. Nobody else is going to do it for us, Trent.
0: That is as profound and as powerful a statement that's been echoed on this show in 20 years, Steve Corey. We are the co creators of this life experience. Nothing summarizes it better.
1: Well, it's it's been my understanding for some time that what's been stolen from us, Trent, is that knowledge, that universal wisdom that God instilled in us way when we were when we came into this life, that He empowered us with that knowledge and that ability to create our experience. Most people think that our lives are being influenced outside of our own conscious mind. That's absolutely wrong. Mm-hmm. Whether our lives are magnificent, we're creating magnificent experiences as human beings, or we're creating the our own hell on earth, we're the ones responsible for it. And we have to understand that, that conscious thought is what creates our experience. And if you're living an unconscious life, then those thoughts you're putting out there are, are making your life potentially very difficult. It doesn't have to be that way.
0: It's all so mental. The whole thing is just a psych- psychological warfare. And I've recently come to the awareness. A year ago, I thought they're going to shut down the Internet. And now I realize they're never going to shut down the Internet as long as we have electricity. If we don't have electricity, there won't be an issue. But um, they're not shut down the Internet because it's the best way for, as you were talking about earlier, programming the world citizen.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, look at social media and what it's doing to people. Sure. Yeah.
0: But I can share with you my own experience. You know, I had, uh, this huge following on Facebook and I knew that in fact, I had Devin Nunes on my program several times and he was trying to get me kicked off and it didn't work. My audience just kept growing until November the 6th. I went to Eagle Pass, Texas and I saw firsthand. Mm -hmm. What's going on with this child trafficking thing? And I talked to the Texas National Guard. I found out exactly who's coming across the border. Five days later, I was permanently banned from YouTube, Facebook, WhatsApp, and uh, Instagram. And it's like, oh, now I think I know. Where the real core issue is, because it wasn't until I went down there, they took my five accounts away and roughly a 100,000 people that follow me Mm -hmm. on there. So that was a great thing, Steve. I don't whine about that. I never whine about that because I had gotten complacent and just expecting everybody going to come there to get the information. Now they're scattered. People tune into what I think is important from five or six different places. That's diversity. Right. That's absolutely fantastic. So you always find a way to be a co-creator of your life experience. I'm so stealing that. And like for two weeks, I'll give you uh credit. And then I'm just going to call it Steve, Corey, who, who said that
1: first? <laughs> <laughs> it's all yours, my friend. Take it and run with it. Uh, That's a
0: good word. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you feel that we are making progress?
1: We are. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm more encouraged right now, Trent, than I've ever been because I'm just, I'm watching this thing manifest and grow on so many different levels in so many different domains. Um, I, I, I'm excited. Uh, this, this is, for those of us who understand this, this is a rather profound thought. It's not mine. I borrowed it. This is the most exciting time ever to be here on this planet. This is it. This is a, this is a special time in history. And all of us who understand that understand we're, we're here for a much bigger mission. Each and every one of us. And when you start to understand that it's not just to be here as a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, a daughter, a sister, a a scientist, a doctor, or whatever, there's much more to to it than that and, and, and to experience. And so when you start to understand that there's no fear, there's nothing to fear. There's not, there's absolutely nothing to fear. And if you're grounded in that understanding, because you know, we're part of that, which created us, we're an extension of God. And, and when you start to create, bring that into your wheelhouse and you go, Holy smokes, what does that mean? Well, it means that, well, a, we're eternal, not in the physical sense, Right. The larger, the larger, the larger part of who we are, Trent, is the non-physical. We're just a non-physical being having a physical experience here.
0: I can't keep up with your little profound statements. You're absolutely right. We're in the gaseous state right now, just getting ready for where we're ultimately going to reside forever. Perfect. We're back with the last segment of Roll Route. Right after this. Let's talk about those first responders, the veterans, active duty. We can't even have this conversation, Steve, if it were not for the generations before us, the generations that are among us now that have contributed to this great experience that we call the United States of America. The veterans, I just, I I don't spend enough time. It reminds me, I don't, speaking about Orville Gullickson in that first segment, it reminds me that I don't spend enough time with these individuals that have been there, done that. I, I'm Carl Stevenson, Bill Williams. Those are the three veterans, all of World War II, that I spent time with, had a conversation with, and gained so much with. I still talk about them, and some it's been 15 plus years. The Wall of Honor creates that opportunity for us to continue to focus on the veterans, and the first responders, and the active duty. The wall of honor.org. I'm at North Dakota horseman's park this weekend with the wall of Welcome back. Roll route. Right. Trent Lewis alongside Steve Corey joining us from Iowa. Are you in Woodbury County or are you south of Woodbury County?
1: Right on the Southern edge of Woodbury County.
0: Okay. that's Sioux city for those that may not be as familiar with Iowa as you want to be. I have to tell you kind of speaking to what you just said, I was born in 1966. And by the time I thought I figured out the world, I knew that I was born 150 years too late, Steve, because that the trail drive era from 1865 would have been a hundred years. How's my math? No, 200 years. Yeah. Uh, no, 100 years. What am I talking about? I can't even do math. 100 years late because from 1865 until 1881, there's 6 million head of cattle, longhorns, which I know you have history with, trailed north. And people know about the trail drive. I'm, I'm not sure they really understood the purpose of the trail drive because it was to get meat, these animals, which were feral animals, Ultimately to Chicago, they were put on refrigerated rail cars and it was the actions of the trail drivers and the vaqueros and the Chisholm trail era that reunited America post civil war because we had decimated all of the resources of the Southeastern part of the United States. And I just realized in the last three years that that was a fantasy that the true place to be is speaking along the lines of what you just said is, is here now. And I wasn't born a hundred years too late. I was born at the right time to be here now, to be a part of the solution and this new trail drive era. Uh,
1: you are, you are absolutely here at this time and space for a reason, tread, not a hundred years ago, but today you are part of this. And you are an ins- yeah, obviously you you're right in the middle of the vortex in what you're doing and how you're trying to spread this information out to those who are willing to listen and, and listen with open eyes and ears open as well to hear what the, what's going on. Accept it. Understand that the world is not as you have perceived it for most of your life. And that in many most cases, most of what we've been told and taught have been total fabrication. And when you start to really peel the layer of the onion, oh my gosh, the world starts to change before your eyes.
0: Don't you think that contributes to our general complacency is that once people start learning that everything we've been taught and knew has been a lie? So then it's like, oh, I don't want to admit that I bought into the lie, so I'll just not engage. Hey, I think that's a a lot of the driving
1: force. I I agree. It's, It's 100%. It's devastating to the ego yeah. when you start to realize that you've been lied to at so many different levels of your life. In many cases, the people who have perpetrated lies didn't even realize that they were lying because they, it's just generational, right? It goes all the way back, and they just, they just carry the same message forward, and it's not an intentional misdirect on their part. They just don't understand really what the truth is or was in historical fact.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just, yeah, you're absolutely right about the ego because there are two presidents that I've personally spoken to. And I spoke to these two presidents about, well, it was the first year of radio, so 2000. And then the second president in 2000, like 14. First president I spoke to, his name was George Bush. And the second president I spoke to was George W. Bush. And I have a business card with both of them signed, or both of them signing the same business card. In fact, when I handed that, I happened to have the card in my billfold when I saw George W. Bush in Texas at a golf fundraiser for uh, Wounded Warriors and the All American Beef Battalion. I handed him this card and I said, "Would you be willing to sign this?" He said, "Well, it looks like somebody else already has, so I guess I'll just sign down here below. But I'm going to make this card valuable for you." I thought that was a pretty cool deal because who wasn't a Bush fan at the time? And now with all of the information that comes out, going back to Prescott Bush, George Bush's father, who funded the Nazi, who was convicted of funding. That's not a conspiracy theory, Steve, that he was convicted of funding the Nazis. We know the evils that George Bush brought upon us. And now we're seeing what happened with 9-11 and George W. Bush. It's like, oh, my goodness, how can one person who thinks he's a reasonably intelligent individual and a critical thinker be so fooled for so long?
1: hundred percent. When you started throwing that four letter word Bush in front of me, I'm like, oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> Are you really going to go there, Trent? <laughs> yeah. I, well,
1: I, you know, yeah. Yeah. I I, uh, I got drawn into a number of years ago. We were down in Dallas for uh, the Eric Clapton Crossroads tour, uh, which was an amazing musical event for two days. And my buddy wanted to we had time to kill. So, we you know, we went over, to, of course, Fort Worth and hung out around the stockyards. You got to do that. I um, mean, oh, yeah. out of Dallas on business all the time. So, but anyway, we, um. then the other thing we had, we, he wanted to go to the George W. Bush, you know, museum. And I'm like, dude, I I, I don't want to go. Are you kidding me? There's no way. He talked me into it. So I spent, you know, whatever time we you know, we took the wives with us and walked through it. He had met George W. Bush. He was a uh, battalion chief out in La Mesa, California, my buddy who retired. And they were, when they had the big fires out there, George W., of course, came out there to make a guest appearance with all the first responders. So my friend Mike got to meet him. And so he was a little bit, you know, enthralled with sure. all of that. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of felt as I'm there and I'm listening and the women's telling, you know, the, the different guides in the museum are giving you all these things. And I'm just, I felt like I was in a, it, it was it was hard. It was hard for me to be there, but I did it. Um, but I know who and what that family represents. Prescott, the you know, the the the, the father, uh, the grandfather, and you know, the generational thing. Uh Jeb today, he's yeah, yeah, don't get me started.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, but it wasn't until the last couple of years that I, I I had my own awakening in that regard. So I mean, all of us are suspect to this misinformation. Uh let's get back to the, the grassroots in the last half of this segment. What do you I mean there's a lot of people that we we talk constantly talk about show up at a school board meeting. I went to one Monday night, uh, show up at a county commissioner meeting. I talked to one yesterday. What is your best advice on engaging at that local level to begin that bridge building locally that you think is of essence that we do it now? Don't wait until next month, do it now.
1: Well, I, you know the, the first place you have to start is is under your own roof. Right, Within your own family, you know and and and, and have those conversations with your spouse, uh, with your children, um, with your uh, and of course, then it goes from there out into the community, your friends, maybe your church. Um, it, you, you could start at the beginning. That's always the best place, right and and then start to work out from there, and you know anybody who will give you their time and attention, bend their ear. And and you know sometimes you you can't pour the the fire hose on them you got to maybe pour a, a the sprinkler on them you know and just give them little tidbits of information and give them something to think about and then try to follow back up with them um, and then take it from there and and you know and then when you start to not only that but connect with other people of like mind you know how it works we're we're energy beings we resonate we're like we're radios and you got to find the right frequency on the dial right mm-hmm. otherwise the sound is, is garbled and it's, you get a lot of static, but when you dial into the right frequency, you start to resonate with that frequency, whether it's another human being or, or whatever. So, you know, I know it sounds a little woohoo, but it's true. You know, you could tell when you're next to somebody standing at a gate at an airport, whether it's somebody you might be able to talk to or not. Right.
0: Yeah. It used to be easier. It's gotten tougher, although it's kind of swung back. I've only been in an airport four times since the world shut down. Um, you, you, we're talking about Iowa here, but you're networking with like-minded people from other states. And in fact, when you first said hello to me at Fort Dodge, you said you need help in Nebraska. What, what do you mean by that? And what states might you be looking for people to network with?
1: Well, i um I, you know, I've been I've been running this little team here in Iowa, and just um, within the last year, we stood up a team in Minnesota. In fact, I was on the phone with the team leader from there yesterday on my way back to Minneapolis, and then after that, I was on the phone with the team lead from Wisconsin, and she's very frustrated and trying to hang in there. Um, you know, it's hard when you're you're trying to do this work and it's all volunteer and and you know, there's everybody's trying to live their lives in a, in this pressure cooker that we call life these days. Um, but I, I've been tasked by the team America folks to try and get some thing established in the state of Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota, you know, and I, I try to make sure they understand, you know, there's more jackrabbits and coyote and rattlesnakes in those states than there are people aside from some of the big cities in Nebraska, of course. And I, you know, and there have been people who have, you know, signed up on, on the website, you know, with their information and I've gotten those people, but you know, it's talking about two or three people and, you know, this is big geography here and trying to get people together to start to coalesce and find somebody who's willing to step up and, and take a leadership position and carry the torch is not easy.
0: What what about Colorado?
1: Uh, Colorado has a team established is my understanding. Okay. Which is interesting, because we know what the front you know what the front range is like in Colorado these days.
0: well, I'll tell you what there is a movement in Colorado that doesn't get any attention, and it's because Colorado's been the tip of the spear for longer than the rest of us and and what's taking place in the control of the state school board with the people you mentioned from the front range who mostly have moved in from California. And all, of the, well, look at Tina Peters and all of the people that have really been pioneers because they see how bad things have been and can get. And so there's a great movement in Colorado. And um, I, I spend as much time as I can working with, you know, empowering each other, one another, because that's what we're doing. We're empowering yeah. one another to go forward and make a difference. Final words of wisdom, like the most profound Broadcast we've had yet, Steve. Where are you going to go in the last thirty seconds?
1: Um, hope. Um, we have to remain hopeful. Never give up hope. Um, here's what I, I'm going to steal this. Uh, I'm going to borrow this. I'm going to finish with this, Trent. I'm going to read it, so it's not my words; it's somebody else's. But I love it, and and I listen to it every night. <clears throat> Keep your head up and eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He will never forsake us. In the end, God always wins. But we are God. Don't forget that. We are part of that that, that source. We are here in this time and place for a time just as this. We are at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. I'll close with that, Trent.
0: There's nothing left to be said. Thank you to the veterans for enabling us to be able to do this, and that's why we wear red shirts every Friday. Thank you, Steve, Corey, Trent, Lewis, Both of us reminding you: all roads do lead to a roll route.